This is the At 530 on Main podcast. I'm Sean Collins. And I'm Mike Davis. And we're here to discuss the convergence of digital and physical experiences in today's world. With Extend Group as an expert in designing online experiences and VPS Architecture, an expert on creating physical experiences, you will hear unique discussions on technology, theory, and more that merges our separate areas of expertise into one podcast experience. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy today's At 530 on Main podcast episode. This is the At 530 on Main podcast, episode number three in the Extension Studio. Today, we have Jacob Harper, Mike Davis, and Sean Collins. Mike is from VPS Architecture. Sean is from Extend Group. And Jacob is from Harper Guitars. Jacob is the founder of Harper Guitars, which he started in uh, 2013. Jacob is a luthier, designer, and musician. He took his first part-time job in building guitars in 2006 and extended that through 2013, and then really got into the design elements and started Harper Designs in 2013. I like his quote on his website. It says, I want to create instruments that are sonically superior, extremely comfortable, easy to maintain, and become an extension of the artist wielding them allowing the artist to concentrate on composing and performing. And that's his quote. You can find that on his website. I think that is uh, is a great way to start it. Welcome to the podcast. We well, appreciate you. your time today. Nice to be here. When we're in the At 530 on Main podcast, we'd like to talk about the design experience, the physical experience, and, and how digital has helped or is now shaping some of that experience and the convergence of those things. Jacob. So what does the word experience mean to you? I think it's just something that excites your senses, you know, makes you feel a certain way. It's a lasting experience, I believe, if you experience something. Yeah. Mike, I don't know if I've asked, what's the word experience mean to you? It can be a lot of different things. I think it depends on the situation, whether it's music, movies, a space. I think it's just something that elicits a response from the participant, from the viewer. It makes it more meaningful, I think, when you can experience it. Yeah. I think for me, it's just the, it's how people remember you. There's the famous quote out there, you can make a lot of things, you can give a lot of things, but at the end of it all, it's how you make people feel about that experience. So the way they walk away emotionally, did they feel connected to the space or did they, you know, were they connected to what they were hearing, seeing? It's, you know, the holistic view of of that experience that is in today's world designed, you know, and when we walk into whether it be a mall or a, an amphitheater, that is an experience that everybody is there for. So, yeah, that's a good start. So, Tell us a little bit about your, if you don't mind, Jacob, your experience with music. How did it start? Oh, I was raised uh, by a lot of musicians. <laughs> okay. Uh, my dad had eight brothers, and uh, almost every one of them played uh, professionally, semi-professionally. And uh, my grandmother was church piano player for 40-plus years, and um, I, was, it was, I was immersed in it. And my mother, um, she was a singer, nightclub singer. So, you know, when I started learning music uh, and I wanted to sit in with the family band, I had to, you know, get my chops up pretty quick just to be there. And yeah, and I had a lot of a lot of mentors, 
um, as far as music. So that's kind of how I got started. In the, the beginning, how did the physical space that you were performing in or the experience with whatever instrument that you were using impact your relationship with it? Uh, how you just dive in and uh, like my quote, you know, you just start worrying more about the notes than where your fingers should be. Yeah. And once you overcome that hurdle, you know, it's 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 all a great experience and, you know, you get to create and you're not hindered by trying to learn new things. Although you always try to learn new things, but right, yeah, yeah. So, quick question: as you as you talk about yeah, guitars and how they're made, and they're they're specific, probably to the performer to their specs, mm-hmm. right? So, what's something in your daily life you think that's well designed that you might not think about all the time, right? And that you use daily, but it's really well designed. Like maybe it's an oven mitt, or it could be anything. How'd you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's all around you. I mean, the vehicle you drive, how many components in that car have to work right for you not to be upset? (laughs) And your phone, TV remote, you know, smart TVs, everything. A lot of people don't think of that, and that's normal. Um, But, you know, my everyday, I kind of have those goggles on. I I, I see things, and I, I appreciate why they work. And I see the you know, the mechanics of everything. So it is good when it all works. It's interesting that you, you mentioned the vehicle and that's one of my passions as you take a walk around the extend office here, you'll see, you know, aftermarket brands, you'll see race team pictures and photography. And, and you talk about the experience of the vehicle and what it is today versus what it was, let's say even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. still you're, you know, 10 years ago, it was, you know, the way it sounded, uh, the way the suspension was manually tuned. And now within 10 years, the whole category itself has moved light years ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have ADOS and you have, you know, the infotainment that when you get into your car, if you have one of the newer models, the seat itself shapes to you, the lighting dims to your preferences, the infotainment of what channel you want first comes up and all those things. How do you see that playing out in, in, in your industry? Is, is there any way that digital technology is going to help you really form that next guitar for your next client? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough one. You know, we're, we're not a huge corporation, you know, or a small custom shop. Uh, everything that we do, you know, it's not like we have a template that we can run a bunch of guitars and hope somebody would buy that one. We're, we're not of that mindset. We're, we kind of hear what the person's needs are, what kind of music they play, down to every specific detail, like how big are their hands, how how yeah. how hard did they play. So 100% of the guitar is customizable to that person. So that kind of relates back to when you get in your car. You know, it's, it's a personal experience. You yes. know, I had a 66 Mustang. I wish I had that back. <laughs> but it, yeah. it didn't know I was in the car. Right. And I had to work on it all the time. So, you know, it didn't tell me that the, the oil level was low and my tire pressure was bad. But, you know, that was a totally different experience in, you know, a vintage car. So I think yeah. once whatever you're using daily becomes more personal, it's kind of scary. But, you know, it, it's nice that it customizes to you. And that's how we want our guitars to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
along those lines, how does the experience that you want the musician to have when he plays one of your char really shape how you do what you do? Like uh, thinking from down to what type of wood you use, right? Because you got to select or the tools you use even to build your guitars. Because like you said, you're not just cranking, you're not building widget guitars where you're mm-hmm. producing, mass producing 10,000 a year and they're probably automated. This is all by hand. You have certain tools you have to use and you probably have to have specific to what type of guitar you're trying to build. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, certain cars on the guitar. You know, over the years, we've tweaked our designs based on ergonomics, people's, the way they play. The experience we want people to have, like in my quote, we want them to stop thinking about the guitar mm-hmm. and, you know, concentrate on composing. The second you have something on an instrument that's a little bit off, that's where all your attention goes to. And that happens to everything, whether it's your car or your phone. But the one thing I love is here lately, we've gotten a lot of guys that have bought custom guitars, girls, and um, they say that it's changed their practice habits. They've <laughs> actually spent a lot more time or they're in a slump and they haven't practiced or their band hasn't played in months. And they got the guitar and they woodshed. That's just sitting around jamming, yeah. working on your chops. But it, it really steps it up for them. So, you know, that's the kind of experience that we want to continue to have. Great. So when we talk about in the beginning of the podcast where we're talking about physical experience and online experience, and you talk about how your consumer finds you, for instance, like, you know, Somebody goes out and searches custom guitar and that first online experience and where we're at today. Has that changed the way in which you do business with your customers? Because I'm sure maybe even five years ago or six, seven years ago, you're you're in a retail environment. People are coming to a physical space that are, you know, testing and you know, does this one feel comfortable or not? How is where we're at today on the mobile phone and a browser and voice search and all that impacted the way that uh, you try to market to your end consumer and relay the Harper Guitars experience? Uh, Social media has been a huge advantage. Like I said, we're not a large company, so we don't have guitars and showrooms across the country. We have people that find us on social media or check out our website And they say, where can I try out a guitar? Well, you know, we're a custom shop. And we kind of just say, these are the people that play our guitars. Yeah. These are probably a lot of the people that you like to listen to or try to emulate. If they're playing it, why don't you give it a try? You You know, and and we have that advantage. Um, And it may be a disadvantage. I don't know. But it keeps the experience personal. I still deal with every one of our customers, custom customers. And um, we also do repairs, also consult. And I build guitars for Newman Guitars, and that was uh, Ted Newman Jones who passed. Um, he'd been doing it for years and built for Keith Richards and Tom Petty, Bob Dylan. But through social media, somebody found me, you know, that it was part of their company that just lived in Princeton, Indiana. And so I guess I was on a list. I think he knew of me through a friend. But um, it helps us connect in the way that we need to connect, you know, because we're not uh, the big company. That's an interactive website where people can sit there and design their guitars. 
yeah. and then purchase it and we don't have the showroom. So. Do you see that in with your competitors? Or are they, they going to that space and, you know, they they have the mass production and they have the 360 photography and they have the influencers that are there talking about the product and all those things? Right. It looks slick. And, yeah. But we don't have $100,000 budget for marketing. And so we do what we do. Uh, but your experience is shaped to the individual, right? right? And, and that's intentional. Yes. Very much so. And, and that sticks out in, in your quote, as I said there in the beginning, meant a lot. So the experience in getting the product in their hand, is there a, a certain way in which you deliver that that experience? Is, is How does someone start the journey with you at Harper Guitars? Well, it's usually a, they reach out. It's a Facebook message. It's a text. Yeah. Um, we start discussing, you know, a lot of people can't get over that first hurdle. They want to check out our guitars. They want a custom guitar. They don't know where to start. No, it's as simple as just calling. And um, I just need to know certain things. Like in architecture, you need to know what their program is. And you need to know how much space they need and what their budget is. So that's exactly what I need for a guitar. And um, they give me pointers. They say, well, I like this and I like this. And I take all of that and, you know, do a build sheet and show them what I intend to build. And just like architects, they can see it all in their head. And the, the challenge is to, you know, show the client or customer what's in your head and get them excited. Is that all hand or is that, you know, in Architecture Today, Revit, and with us, there's many modeling softwares where we can take, oh, your website's going to look like this or, you know, your space is going to be like this. Is there there's software that you're using today to modeling or is it all still handcrafted sketches and, and pieces there? Uh, it's a combination. Okay. St- still like in architecture because I, I remember I've worked in architecture for 25 years. I still like sketching. We have all this software, but there's nothing more personal than sketching. And um, I, I don't know, there's a certain feeling to it when you present it, you know. Well, it's the same way in architecture. It's You sit down with a client, you start sketching out their ideas as they're talking to you. It makes them more engaged right. in the experience that you're providing to them at the end. And they understand more about what you're doing as opposed to just, no one comes to you and says, I want a guitar. And you go... Six weeks later, here you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you want it to be tailored to them, just like in, in any design experience, I think, in anything we do, it's the customer has to be an active participant in that experience to make it successful. Yeah, and I say it's a combination of both because, you know, it. Um, people we've worked with are extremely talented at using software in the beginning phases. Yes. Super quick, mm-hmm. and they can show people immediately what a 3D – dimensional space will look like you know in guitar building you know we use industrial software rhino that's what i use and it's basically the cad of of Mm -hmm. of the uh, mechanical or machinery part of things and we use a cnc computer numerical control piece of equipment that cuts blanks and so we can be more our tolerances could be smaller and we can be repeatable but Still, you know, there's tons of hand carving. Uh, the CNC does about 10% of your work. Okay. And But it can do a lot. You can't keep up with it as a human being and hand carve the guitar to finish. 
uh, as fast as it can create, but um, it helps the whole process. So within that software, we can show people concepts. We don't usually do that because unless it's something very detail oriented and they need to see it before they sign off on everything, but they can see from examples of our work, just like an architect say, that's my building. You know, we're going to give you that level of, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's the key to me is like the software helps you. Yeah. You can get it done faster. You can do all this work and, but really all you're doing is gaining time to focus on the details because right. if you don't, if that process is cumbersome, the details start to get lost because you start to run out of time to focus on those details that really make the customer experience better. Exactly. So you talked a little bit in our uh, pre-recording conversations about how architecting or uh, being a guitar tech is very mm -hmm. similar to being an architect or an online developer. Tell me on the architect side or the guitar tech side what is that similarity uh first off i'm going to trademark guitar architect <laughs> <laughs> yes like i said working with a client it's a client when you're an architect it's a customer when you're building guitars and gathering all the information they have creating something that they're going to love both of those are applicable to architecture and guitar architecture <laughs> the whole process you know keeping the conversation going with a customer Making sure they're aware of any changes that need to be made. It's applicable to both. Um, sometimes you have to punt and you have to kind of change directions for the better. And that could be awkward if there's not a lot of communication. So there's so many things just within the design that are applicable to both. So, yeah. I'll probably think of a few more in a minute. Yeah. So, <laughs> so as we blur the lines between, you know, everything the three of us do here, what's a space or a building, uh, a venue that really you can recall right away that makes you emotional? Uh, the Ryman in Nashville. It's not extravagant. Yeah. But every time yeah. you walk into it, I mean, they call it, you know, the, the church of music. And I forgot the actual nickname they use, but. Every time you walk in, you feel a certain way. There's stained glass in right. the background. Uh, and during the performance, it's just a lot more intimate than going to a new auditorium or something like that. In my early, where I was building my chops, as you said, uh, in the industry, that was one of the the uh, sites that I actually worked on and was a webmaster for was the Rhyme and, and and being in that space, but not only being in that space, but like growing up, listening to country music that was played through the Ryman and hearing all the the glory and the honor of the space and then really walking into it for the first time was, was just simply, yeah, that whole experience of being there in that intimate space and the way really the the stage basically protrudes into the crowd. I mean, the whole thing is is, is spot on, as you, as you said. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a really uh, those uncomfortable per, uh, church pews. Yeah, <laughs> just it's all right. You know, there's a reason for that. That's why people stand up more there. You know, yeah, and get into the music. <laughs> yeah. So when we look at your products, how does a Harper guitar impact our community? Oh. Uh, I would love to say that 
because we employ all of these people. <laughs> yeah. And we're working on that. We have one employee at this point, and, uh, and he lives here in Evansville, down Haney Corner, so Easton Bullock. Um, but as far as the community, you know, we do several philanthropic uh, ventures. I mean, we uh, sponsor you know, four-plus festivals during the summer um, where we donate guitars, donate time, full tech services backstage. Yeah. And artists aren't used to showing up at a gig and you've got a um, master luthier that will check out your guitar before you go on stage or change strings. And, um, but, you know, donating guitars to these groups helps raise money for their festival or whatever charity they're working on. So tell us a little bit about the uh, Don Mattingly uh, guitar. That's been a while. Uh, it's been a few years. Yeah. Grease. Uh, what was it? What was his first name? Oh, Bob, Paul Grease. That's Paul my Grease. father-in-law, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. the hot stove league. Yeah. He he first called me. I guess he well, yeah, was between you two. I shot out the idea because we're always looking. You know, the hot stove league, it does fundraisers. Usually it's a lot of memorabilia. And so we were just trying to come up with ways to do something unique. What what could we do that's a unique one-of-a-kind piece that you can only get at the Hot Stove League Night of Memories? And for whatever – oh, I think it was because Derek Jeter was retiring and he got a guitar given to him. And I said, wait, we can do that. I know a guy. <laughs> and so I said, we got to get Jacob to build us a guitar. That Yeah, it, it's easy to get behind any group that's raising money for good cause. and. Uh, you know, Hot Stove League. I mean, they were so much fun to work with and getting to play the national anthem <laughs> with Paul Grease. That was experience. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just a way to show what you do and apply that to a good charity. Yeah. Was there any uh, interaction with Mattingly that you can remember? I backstage just talked to him for a brief moment but he was kind of bombarded by people yeah and to, and to design it you know i think we were designing it during baseball season so yeah manly wasn't available um but jacob did the guitar i mean we went to his wood shop but he also did all the graphics yeah and, and that went on the guitar showing his stats and you know the pinstriping and everything so it was really yeah and i just took you know your and paul's ideas and that's that's custom guitar building you know taking all those and incorporating making the guitar look classy, not doing something with the design that makes it unfunctional or not functional. So Yeah, at the end, I mean, it raised a, a good amount of money yeah. for a really good organization that puts money back in the community. Exactly. Right. So when you look at your passion for music growing up and you said, you know, starting in the family band and, and really trying to earn those chops, how does that passion back then help you where you're at? today build the next experience for your next customer well i think it was a perfect storm as i grew up because i played music a lot of my family members were musicians but a lot of them were also carpenters fine woodworkers plumbers electricians concrete guys excavators you know so i grew up around that too and so by the time i got to college you know, I was focusing on architecture. I went to Murray State University and uh, got an industrial design degree, but I always focused on architecture and anything involved with architecture. I worked, I was assistant surveyor for two summers, 
you know, worked carpentry in college. Uh, and then from the age of about 17, I was designing houses for my dad. We lived down on Lake Barkley. So they had customers that wanted yeah. really nice homes. But growing up, you know, those two things were in tandem because I always played music. I was playing clubs when I was 17 years old when I shouldn't have been. But um, <laughs> so the two just kind of finally met. I wanted my own guitar. Couldn't afford the guitar I wanted. I said, I know how to use all these tools. I bought a bunch of tools, ran up credit card debt, filled up a shop, started building. And then was very lucky to be connected with the right people early mm -hmm. on and get my guitars in the hands of some big players. And um, But it, it's just, I say perfect storm because I had all the knowledge and experience from what mm -hmm. I'd learned over the past years and computer-aided drafting and programming, a CNC. Yeah. And also had the experience of being a musician and knowing what felt good in my hands and so I just had those tools, put them together, and, you know, a hobby became something that was real. So as we sit here across from the Ford Center, any buys your guitar been at the Ford Center being played by a musician? Several times, I believe. Yeah. yeah. The Thomas Rhett, uh, Josh Reedy from his band. There's been several in there. So people in the community that ever attended these concerts, they might not have realized that Jacob... No. Harper guitar was being played on stage. No, I, I need to put like a digital billboard on them now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel for guys that make guitar pedals. Yeah. Nobody ever sees a guitar <laughs> pedal. But word of mouth within the musicians, right, they right. say, that's an awesome pedal. And that spreads. So that's kind of how our business is spread. You know, check out this guitar. And between all these big artists, they, they start trying them out. And that gives me street cred. So I need to worry less about having a showroom. Right. Uh, I would love to get to that point, but, you know. So how does your, you, you talk about you went and you purchased all this equipment and then you started working by hand, you know, to shape the wood and all those things. How does your relationship and your experience with your suppliers today, how does that work? So, you know, your strings and your pickups and, and all the, the different components that you put in. Now, those are all pieces of a, a physical experience that, from what I understand, is not manufactured right now at heart. So you're taking this bits and pieces. How does that relationship with those suppliers and everything work and how important is that to you? And how do they bring you new stuff to really show off in your builds? Yeah, it... You know, when I first started, it was really expensive to build one guitar because, yeah. you know, I, I didn't have those connections. But just like anybody else, you meet more people at conferences, you know, NAM, that's in Nashville during the summer and uh, Anaheim during the winter. Uh, I haven't been to the Anaheim uh, conference, but it's huge. And uh, Nashville is a great place, too. But you meet all these suppliers that, you know, kind of con confront you and say, you know, you use our stuff yeah. and uh, you get to check out new products. Um, I Because I play guitar, I don't over the years who the reputable companies were. And, and that was the thing when I first started, I couldn't afford <laughs> those nice, uh, reputable companies hardware. Um, we make everything but the, you know, the electronics and the pickups yeah. and the, things that would take metal castings. And, right. Um, 
So meeting all those people is, you know, it, it's helped on our bottom line. And I get to share, you know, really nice hardware with people, you know, at a cost right. um, that I can afford. But you're not going to Amazon.com today and looking for, you know, pickups and, and all those things that maybe the general consumer is out doing today. That's still a, a very much, uh, you know, people talking to people business. Is that right? Well, I try to keep it where, yeah. I, where I have certain suppliers. I, I do get thrown for a loop every once in a while. Somebody wants this one pickup and yeah. I'm not a, you know, I'm not connected with that company. Yeah. So I've had to go on Amazon. Oh, you have? Okay. Yeah, rarely. Yeah. Or if it's a time crunch and I forgot a piece of hardware, I'm on Amazon. Okay. They have a drone that's usually at my house in two days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, that's where a lot of, of the industry is going. You know, the you know, over 80%, I believe, of the online purchases today are right there. So I didn't know if that was impacting, you know, how you supply your customers with these custom well, that's for hardware. I mean, wood is a different thing. We have several local suppliers that I get, you know, wood products from. Um, and then every once in a while, somebody will want a crazy carved top on their guitar, and I'll have to go to eBay or you know, or search down some sawmill that can show me uh, exact pictures of the piece I'm buying. Yeah. Uh, larger companies, they would call a sawmill or a provider or importer and say, I need 2000 board feet of this maple. Okay. And I've done that before. I've called a lumber company and said, I need this grade of maple. Um, how can I get that? Can I get a picture? And they're like, no, you'll have a semi show up with 2000 board feet of it. And it's within that range. Yeah. And I can't yeah. work like that. And, Plus, it'd take me years to use 2,000 board feet or something. So being local and knowing that, uh, you know, we have uh, great natural resources here. Uh, you know, there's a whole industry up in Dubois County that was founded on, you know, the piano and uh, Kimball and, and Jofco and all the currently great, former great furniture uh, manufacturers. Do you still look to s source local hardwood first or is it does that play into your thought process at all i'll source from local companies as much as i can yeah um, the thing about our guitars is you know there's not too many pieces of wood on it that are local mm -hmm. i've tried to incorporate some you know the ambrosia maples and things like that because you can get some pretty interesting wood but most of it's african or south american okay. wood. what about finishes like has technology impacted any of the finishes that go on yeah, there's a big debate about the old traditional lacquer finishes versus modern finishes. When I started, lacquer is what I did, and it's finicky, and um, it breaks down. From the second you put it on, it breaks down over the years because it never cures. It okay. just hardens to a point, and then it breaks down. So modern finishes, what you see on your vehicle, any guitar now, unless – Somebody specifically asked for lacquer. Your guitar will look like that in 50 years. Granted, you know, belt buckle rash, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but it's much more dependable. It's quick. Uh, lacquer is a process, you know, three to four weeks minimum. Does any of that impact the, 
you know, you talked about the sustainability and the buckle rash. I mean, does it impact the physical feel for the user? Not the physical feel, but the tone you get from the guitar. Also a big argument about that. The traditionalists say, I'm not going to use modern because it kills the tone. Well, uh, electric guitar, your tone comes out of the pickups and your wood and the guitar to me is like an EQ where you could kind of bump EQs and you want more bass, use this wood. You want more treble, use this wood. Now, if you're doing acoustic guitars, the wood does the talking. There's no pickups. In that case, I would lean towards the traditional because it's it's harder, but it's more brittle. And, um, you know, I don't have a science lab. I'd love somebody to actually test it. Yeah. Uh, but they say it projects more. And you can get immersed in some blogs online with people arguing about that. So have you ever... Have you ever done banjos or ukuleles or little mini guitars? I have done some mini. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, somebody involved in our company said, we should make small uh, electric mandolins, the old Fender Mando casters. You know, we uh, looked at some of those and figured out, you know, how we could improve on that. And, um, you know, we made it a four-string mandolin so you can bend the strings. An eight-string mandolin traditionally, you know, sounds great, but you can't bend two strings together mm-hmm. uh, easily. Um, so we changed some electronics in it. We put nice guitar pickups in it and kind of did it as a joke, kind of a novelty thing, and yeah. then it just took off. We sold, you know, there's an order. Uh, we had eight on order as soon wow. as some pictures came out. And... You know, people are playing like a Celtic punk man up in Michigan, plays it through Marshall stacks and the guitar is <laughs> like, you know, this big on him. And so people are playing it. Uh, and, and I didn't even, uh, you know, I couldn't envision that use of it, but it's so cool. Yeah. People are using it. That takes me to one last question. We're getting in, you know, close to 40 minutes here. Is there a target audience of an age group and a certain demographic and a style of music that you prefer to cater to? Uh, well, yeah, there's several things on that. Um, well, we've always sought out new talent, you know, uh, kids that are just, you know, amazing virtuosos. And if we're lucky enough to get a hold of them and talk to them, it's kind of like a relationship, a long lasting relationship. Uh, Jaden Carlson from Colorado. Uh, we met her, I think she was 13. And uh, her mom, a manager, called okay. and said, you know, I, you know, my daughter plays. She's a really good player and we're interested in your guitars, some kind of endorsement. And, you know, and most times you'd hear that and you're like, okay, I don't know how much I can give on this one. And, uh, she said, well, can you hurry up and ship a guitar out to Colorado? It's like, well, what's the hurry? She goes, well, she's playing Red Rocks two nights in a row, one night with Michael Fronty and next night with oh, Blues wow. Travelers. And I said, whoa, uh, you know, let me do what I can do. Yeah. So, and we met, you know, six plus years ago. And, you know, we've been friends ever since. Uh, we do anything we can for them. They do anything they can for us. And it's fun watching her just progress. You know, you see these big festivals yeah. and you'll see her name, you know, at the bottom. Print gets smaller. But over the years, I'd see her creeping up and 
she, the people she sits in with are some of my favorite bands, and she'll send me pictures, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, yeah, can I have his number? <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we don't really cater uh, to any demographic. Uh, we we search out new young talent. Doesn't have to be young, uh, you know. It could be a guy my age that just amazing guy that yeah. is about to get his break, um, and. Um. Yeah, I mean, we we just don't want to. Are you out there using YouTube and looking for the those individuals who are using that as their platform to to go next? Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't much, yeah. but uh, have plenty of people yeah. that send me links and check out him. Yeah. This is my platform. Look at my following. Mm-hmm. Are they they using that to try to leverage that you know next conversation? No, oh, yeah, and the, we've had. You know, people that I've gotten a link to, I said, he's amazing. And I end up seeing him, you know, on stage and then end up knowing him through a friend. So it's really cool how it all works out. As far as genres, we, you know, I learned early on, don't dislike any genre because you never know where your next customer is coming from. And uh, Do you try to immerse yourself in as much history and as much up and coming new talent in every one of those genres so that you... You know, when you have that conversation uh, with that individual, you, you know, can emotionally and, you know, connect and, and know what, what the challenges of that genre might be. Yeah. I, I, as much research as I can. You yeah. Know, it, it's, it's nice having somebody younger than me in my shop. They turn me on to new music and uh, some of it, you know. Yeah. Take it or leave it. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I never know, like I said, where the next customer is coming from. And, you know, you never shut down one prospect because of your personal tastes. And uh, yeah, I listen to everything. All right. Wrap up questions. What person, product, or brand has the most authentic design experience today, in your opinion? That's a tough one. Other than Harper Guitars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Without naming names, I would just say that any company that's focusing, if they say custom guitar, if they say custom shop, as long as they're focusing on the customer and providing them something custom, yeah, it's hard to see some of these large companies do that, even though yeah. they have a custom shop. I, I just can't figure out how they connect with that person because of how busy they are. And I don't know if I ever want to get to the point where I'm that large of a company that I lose, you know, some focus. Well, like Chip Foose is someone in, in the automotive industry, right? Oh, yeah. That, you know, started very custom and one to six vehicles a year, cars, custom, 100%. And now you see, you know, shows and all those things. Is, is that and T-shirts and, you know products, uh, accessories, and the whole thing, the, the illustrations even that he creates of his vehicles are, are then duplicated and printed and then sold. Is, is that where you may see Harper Guitars one day? Is that what you want to see or do you want to keep that authentic where you're at today and keep that experience all the way through? Uh, I give props to him. You know, being that talented and have your name attached to something, I, <laughs> It kind of makes sense, you know, because yeah. it's it's not very profitable when you're that customizable. You know, you, you provide something that customizable. 
So I give props to him finding ways to have income. Yeah. To probably pr- support the projects he really wants to work on. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of how it relates to us. And, you know, we're, we're in the beginning stages. So merch and, you know, it, it's cool to go to a different city and walk somewhere and see one of my shirts. Yeah. Uh, it's happened a couple of times and blow me away. So. Do you go up and embrace those individuals? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to follow up to that as it, it just as it popped into my head because uh, how does the customer experience your guitar for the first time? Is that it gets delivered UPS? Do they come to your shop? Do they, you know, and the, and the, the reason I ask as, as Sean gave his example, I was thinking about, you know, motorcycles, or the design of motor, motorcycles. And one, one that's I've been following is, Keanu Reeves, his arch motorcycle. And so when someone buys a motorcycle from him, it's designed for them and meets their needs. But I think they actually bring them to California and take them on a ride, like their first ride. And Custom I didn't know. Fit it. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know if you guys, if there was anything like that, that from a com- experience standpoint. Well, we, I do a lot of traveling. Yeah. Um, I can't, deliver every guitar and, and every situation is kind of different. We've had people drive a good ways to our shop just yeah. to see the shop and get their guitar. We've gone to concerts, gone backstage to deliver guitars. Um, you know, it's and shipped a lot of guitars mm-hmm. and yeah, that it's not a lot of fun. You know, you watch the tracking number and it says delivered. So you're just sitting there going, Please, you know, call me. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you think. Yeah. 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 Would I, so your ideal world, would it be deliver and play a quick jam session with them? I'd do what Keanu does. Yeah. And just, I'd have it's a like, stage built yeah. and I'd fly them in and let them try their guitar. And I'd, I'd make 10 of my friends show up every time I had yeah. a customer and <laughs> act like the crowd. And, yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd that's be great. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there something on your bucket list this year from seeing a venue or buying a product? Just what's on your bucket list next year to experience? Uh, growth. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, learning to deal with growth is the hard part and nothing smooth about it. So you just try to make the best of it. As far as bucket list items, it I've got a great wife, and she always plans amazing trips. And finally, got to go to Red Rocks this year, and we traveled quite a bit to meet with artists. And I can't wish for more. Really, I hope everything stays on the same trajectory. Yeah, when you're out there, I mean, obviously, you get to experience that. Does that impact your design as you get back in the studio and just seeing different places, different? It's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, it, it just gives you a little more motivation. So uh, for our listeners out there, how do they connect with you? Are you on Instagram? Are you uh, Facebook? Are you Twitter? And then uh, how can they also get in touch with you for uh, Harper Guitars? I haven't figured out Twitter yet or okay, or why we would need Twitter. Uh, but uh, we have an account. Yeah. <laughs> but Facebook, Harper Guitars, uh, Instagram, Harper Guitars, and website harperguitars.com well we thank you for being in the extension studio today and being on at 530 on main it's been an awesome conversation mike any final words no just from experience i know uh 
Jacob is not only a great guitar builder, but a great guitar player and musician. Uh, If you ever get a chance to see him perform, I don't know if he's doing much of that lately, but uh, (laughs) if you do, it's a good experience. Thanks, Mike. All right. Well, this concludes episode number three of the At 530 on Main podcast. Please uh, like, and if you enjoyed the conversation with Jacob, please like it, share it with your friends uh, on social media. Uh, We'll go to the website and be able to uh, download the episode or we'll be on going to uh, Apple and like it in iTunes or Google Play. Once again, thanks. Thank you, Sean. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of At 530 on Main, hosted by Sean Collins and Mike Davis. Please leave us a review and share your thoughts on today's episode. Let us know how you've been inspired or what you would like to hear on future episodes. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, help us spread the word. Share us on your social channels. Message a friend. Rate the podcast. Without you, this experience would not be possible.